Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today's guest is Jack O'Rourke, a Cork singer-songwriter who is chatting to me from a very nice-looking hotel room in Belfast on Tuesday morning this week. He'd been doing a show for BBC TV. He was also running around doing some shows at Cork Jazz Fest, which was on over the weekend. So he's a busy man. He's gearing up to release his second album, Wild Place, on November 5th. Let's take a listen to one of the first singles, Opera on the Top Floor. Status quo blast from a jukebox The lads I grew up a player guitar conjuring youth Hunched at the bar I hear dreams that turn to dust Till I ring out for last call A pint takes a minute to settle Creamy it rises and lands like a chorus of hums Regulars catching my eye to change their tune But I ain't a conductor I got opera on the top floor Violence cry and areas explode Got my own Valhalla in this door. You'll hear the story behind Opera on the Top Floor during our chat. It's a good one, so stay tuned. Wild Place is Jack's second album after 2016's Dreamcatcher and the 2019 EP Ivory Towers. This one instantly feels more confident, mainly because it's Jack doing what he feels he's best at. Just him and a piano with just a little orchestration behind him. It's stripped back and allows Jack to stand front and centre, showcasing his songwriting skills. It was all done at the old piano in Triscoll Christchurch in Cork and features members of Crash Ensemble, as well as Claire Sands, who's been on the TPOE podcast earlier this year, Hugh Dillon and Ashling Fitzpatrick. His drummer, Davey Ryan, doesn't appear on the album, but he did produce it. The songs are mixed by Burr Quinn and mastered in Canada by Philip Shaw. Jack has some live gigs coming up as he gears up to release the album. He's at the Royal Theatre in Castlebar, County Mayo on October 28th, Glengarra Mountain Lodge in Tipperary on November 5th, Dolan's in Limerick on November 12th, the Courthouse Arts Theatre in County Wicklow on November 13th, and then it's a triumphant homecoming. Hopefully a triumphant homecoming. I presume it's going to be that. At Tristwell Christchurch uh, in Cork on November 27th. Stick around to the end of the chat to hear Sea Swimming, a song which we mentioned throughout our conversation. It's such a good tune. So here is Jack O'Rourke making his second appearance on the Point of Everything podcast. You can check out TPOE 121 all the way back in February 2019 for our first chat. And make sure to check out his album, Wild Place, which again, do you remember, it's coming out on November 5th. You were jazzing uh, this weekend in Cork, were you? I was. I, I was playing standards of 
different degree in um in the River League Hotel. Good old crack now. Good buzz. My final song, I said, this isn't Miles Davis, but I hope you will sing with me. And it was summertime and the whole place sang and it was really nice. It was actually quite moving, I thought. Yeah, this was like the first weekend where restrictions were lifted or mostly mm. lifted. You know, there was confusion in the few days ahead of it. So I guess people were just like the relief of it and the joy of getting back to it as well. Absolutely. There was a real sense of that. Um, and even the straw hats came out. I haven't seen them in a couple of years. So um, there was some serious season jazz was around. <laughs> Man, the jazz weekend is just uh, different, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't at it. I was around Cork, but I wasn't able to get to anything. But I was just walking down um, McCurtain Street mm-hmm. on, on the Sunday afternoon afternoon like very early on the Sunday and there was some people around who you were just like man they are going to have a long day ahead of themselves yeah, I know it's it, it, it'll mean something different for everyone you know I think it's just you know lads younger than me are, are glad to get dressed up in their tuxes and you know have, have a have a kind of a day at the races per se and then you know there's only there's only a few people with like very seasoned, targeted jazz taste who want the real serious stuff, you know. So it just, just depends. It's, it's, it, it was a good atmosphere, though. I found that. Did you attend any gigs? No, I didn't. I um, I, I did call into see Leisha Hanlon for a little bit in the in the Crane Lane because I like her singing. And you don't hear someone singing those songs by, by Gershwin and Cole Porter that much anymore. So that was really nice. So you're up in Belfast at the moment. Uh, I am just, in, just in the, in, in, enjoying your hotel. In the finery of the Maldron Hotel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. We're, we're about 10 days out from the release of the new album. How are you feeling about it? Um, honestly, a uh, bit nervous, but very relieved that it's it's done, you know, and it's kind of out there and, and that usual kind of seesaw of, you know, letting, you know, management and people you hire to to look after it which they do and they will and then trying to keep your foot off the pedal yourself and relinquish some of the control and ocd-ness is nervous something that you're expecting to get like you know you've done this before with the debut album which is five years old which i was i was surprised to see that it's five years old and you and you had the um ep ivory towers a couple of years ago so so you still get the nerves I do, I think, yeah. I, I, I wish I didn't feel that way about it. Um, I don't know, is it confidence or ego or what? But I, I, uh, I, I feel like songs are like your children. You know, at least I do. I'm very attached to them. So I'm like a kind of a protective, overprotective soccer mom who, like, if 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 uh, if track five doesn't make this thing, you know, I'm like, oh, why not? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'd love, to, I'd love to be kind of have have that hard edge that that some people seem to have. They're like, well, fuck it, like I. I'm happy with it, you know, damn the torpedoes if there's any. And there won't be, but, you know, it's kind of, yeah, just getting to that place where you're happy with it yourself. And are you happy with it? I am, actually. I, I think this album, I am. I would have liked maybe a little bit more humour. <laughs> but I am. I, I, I think there's a... I, the, the songs are written very close together, and I think for that reason, they sequence well. And, and just having Davey with me, my drummer, even though there's no drums in the album, he recorded it with me, and... He's got great instincts and he can kind of control my my Freddie Mercuryisms every once in a while, you know, just to keep things a bit more subtle. I actually found that quite funny that there's no drums on the album, but, you know, you've still got the drummer doing something. Yeah, well, he's great. Like, he's a very musical drummer. They're hard to come by. <laughs> no, I'm joking. There's a lot, there's a lot of them. But he's he's got great taste. And for someone who plays so much jazz and really heavy 
hardcore jazz. He listens to a lot of folk music. And we're, we've been friends since college, so we can be very honest with each other. He was just very easy to work with. I, I think acts are always maybe, you know, drawn to kind of, they, they see the, the kind of criticisms or something of the album, you know, whereas it hasn't even come out yet. So people, <laughs> it'll take a while for anybody to, to come up with their own criticisms of the album. You'll be happy to know. But it's interesting that you say that you wish that there was a bit more humor in I, there. I, I, Is that I, just... I'm only missing. It's just, it's just, I suppose, some of the songs, they reference different things. Um, it's got my happiest song in it, but I... I'd like to. I I would like to sometime, you know, aspire to someone like John Prine or Randy Newman who who have pathos and humor in in sometimes the same song. You know, I think that's great. Mm. It's such a hard thing to do. You know, well, I, I was just going to say, I think it's a really hard thing to do. It's well, so hard, yeah, to do well. It is. Like. Yeah, absolutely. There's a little bit of humor in sea swimming. You know, some 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 ocean humor. <laughs> Is is that your happy? Is that your happiest song? You just said that you the the album contains your happiest song. Which I think one is it that? is. Yeah, I think that's my happiest song. Yeah, <laughs> so far. I had a list of questions. Like we were going to get into the songs a little bit later, but let's talk about Sea Swimming, which is one of my favorite songs on the album as well. Just Thanks. the idea Thank of it. You. If you want to talk about the idea of Sea Swimming, I just presume you're a proponent that you've got a, a track called that and about that on there. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm I'm not one of these wankers with a dry robe, you know, who, who just said, "Oh, I'm going to follow that trend and do it in Iceland or something." But like, I did. I think everyone found themselves. I don't know about you, on with a lack of purpose. Just you know, obviously at the start of, or maybe the last year and a half. In some ways, I loved the quiet time because I, I I realized more than ever that I'm an introvert. But I did. Um, I miss gigging, and I suppose I miss the, the kind of idea of being a collective, outside of your mates and. I suppose choice, but I found it really great when when some of the restrictions lifted. Just going down to Novahol Cove or Roberts Cove or wherever Garrettstown, even I did it once a week, and then I started doing it maybe three evenings a week, um, and I just found it the most incredibly exhilarating, calming experience, you know. And I, I do, I, I I'm fairly even tempered, but I, I suffer with anxiety sometimes, and I. I found whatever it was that it was catastrophizing that 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 in the grand scheme of things is so minuscule in our in our first world, but once I'm in, you know, and and it talks about Martha and Martha, I think is the inner child within all of us, just and laughing. I, I was even I was chatting to Cape Brown and Harding about this. She, she, like sometimes you're just giggling, you know, in the sea, and you're not thinking about you you you've no ambitions basically. I suppose is what I'm saying, and that's a lovely feeling. And so, like you were just. Uh, inspired by it, that why wouldn't I want to write a song about this? Yeah, and and it it genuinely one time coming out of out of out of the, the water, I um I was I must have been listening to the gloaming or more oh, wow. or something, but but the melody that that came that, that's in the chorus, I was like that's really cool, but it was in my head, and I I don't think it is anything else. I hope it isn't anything else. That's that's the biggest fear of anyone. But I played a lot of trads and folk music as a kid, and I love, I love the economy of certain writers, like even even some of Paul Brady's traditional stuff and Richard Thompson. And I think a lot of the songs in this album, you know, are, are hoping for that. Like, and I think that melody, it, it kind of anchored it, and I sat down and I thought about it, and then and then I said, okay, we'll just call it sea swimming, you know, and and that feeling of making a pledge and diving in, and you could look at it like love too, you know. Hmm. Is trad music anything that you'd be interested in kind of returning to that kind of sound or is it just kind of it's it, it's in there anyway? 
It's in there, I think. It's always been in there on my piano ballads. And I'm not like diehard traditional musician. I, like some, I, I marvel at some people, but I like I like the rawness of folk music. I like music that has roots, you know, and be it blues or folk music or traditional Irish music or whatever it might be, uh, you know, bluegrass. And I find, you know, the earlier you go, you go the, the songwriters I like that are contemporary, even people like um, Phoebe Bridgers, even though she's very, you know, her soundscape is, and, and even people like Neil Regan here, they're very progressive in what they're doing sonically, but there's roots, you know, and there's melody there. And that's 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 the most important thing to me, that something has a, a tune that, I, you know, and if it's got the, then if it's got production on top of that, that is interesting. But but you can hear the roots of, of, of them, you know, and I like that. The lyric is important, you know, and the tune is important and chords are important. When you hear a song that you really liked, I mean, like Neve Regan's album is one that I've played a lot mm. over the past year. And I think she's been a real like word of mouth success that everyone has just been like, yeah. have, you, have you heard this artist? She's great. Like when you yeah. listen to someone like her who you enjoy, do you kind of try and pick apart their songs? And like, what? why do I like this song so much? Or, or do you just enjoy it as it is? I try to enjoy it as it is. Um, but inevitably, you, you might be the same. Um, you know, we're all curious creatures and like when I heard that song Save the Day I I, I love the beat and the kind of almost post-punk guitar thing underneath it even though it's a very root song for me it, sound, it sounded to me like a Lucinda Williams song when I heard it first you know and her voice is so unique I think you know it reminds me a little bit of um, uh, that, that American Russian songwriter um, oh she had a song called Samson um, you know what I mean you are my sweetest downfall. I can Google um, it for you if you want, but it, it's not ringing a bell. <laughs> it just it, it just won't come to me. But but her, this, she's certain ways of her diction and the way she clips words is very interesting. She's a very interesting singer as well. So, but no, I, I I try not to do that too much. But like as in like when I heard that, I think the first thing I heard was well, how about their coffee? And for me, it was like oh, here, here's someone who has a craft, you know. They're not a flash in the pan or, or a trend. It, it's 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 someone with serious writing, basically, and, and a voice. I, I just think she's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned earlier that you kind of realised that you were an introvert during or, or maybe post lockdown. Um, was is that kind of an okay realization to make? Like, were, were you happy that you made that realization? Did it change anything about like what you were and weren't doing afterwards or anything? Um, it probably did. I mean, I've always known that I, I really, I noticed it at the jazz. I was, I was in the crane lane, um, with Marilyn Henry, my mate, and I just found while it was brilliant being in her company, I just find crowds make me very anxious, you know, I, I'm much better one-to-one. -one. I think as you get older, you, you just have more self-awareness, don't you? And you, you know what you want and what you, what you don't want. And there's, there's great freedom in that. You know, I think I spent a lot of my time trying to be all things to all people definitely a people pleaser so i've become a, a little bit uh more selfish for myself you know so needs to be done yeah how is marlene i haven't uh heard from her in a while is she is she can you reveal is she back making music or anything like that she is writing a bit she's really happy that's why she's no sadness <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, no, she's great. She's actually opened uh, a music school in Bandon and in Bantry. Um, so she's teaching kids 
piano and she's running the school and yeah, she's in great form. But she, she it's like a kind of a niche, you know. She, she, she's, she's, she'll come back to it definitely in her own time. She reminds me, but she's like the Mary Margaret O'Hara of Cork, you know, one album and one, one amazing album, and just waiting for the next, you know. <laughs> um, so you've got a new album, so you must be like very miserable. So is it? Is that is that uh, how it works? <laughs> well, I have all these feelings that I have uh, to get off my chest. No, um, I don't know. I, I I think a lot of these songs came from different places, obviously, and different reasons for writing them. And it was kind of an organic process. They wrote a lot of them wrote themselves during lockdown just because I was so bored and I felt I need some purpose. <laughs> but no, I, I think it was me processing certain things in my life. So I think it's a very honest album. Well, I know it is, but yeah, it's a funny thing. I was chatting to Marlene about this. We're, we're, we're quiet and we, I'm definitely more showy than her. You know, I, I, I definitely seek more adulation than she does. But isn't it odd that we're introverts and, and yet we, if, we're, if we're trying to say something very personal, we do it by writing about it first of all and then performing it to a very intimate crowd. Um, and that's our way of maybe releasing it. That, that's, that's, a, that's a mad notion, but that's what we do, I think. Yeah. Are, are you surprised that it's kind of a stripped back album as well? Or is that just kind of how it went during, you know, lockdown and the creative process? Like, I think it's a stripped back album anyway, compared it to is. the first album. Yeah. Well, I think even compared to Dreamcatcher, there was a lot of different d- different genres on, on Dreamcatcher, I think, because it was it was kind of a culmination of, of maybe seven years of writing and different styles. And Ivory Towers was definitely, um, if I'm honest, it was probably an attempt to break through, you know, it's, it's top 40, a little bit, um, even though everything on it is was written from a very authentic place. And I wanted to kind of experiment with, 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 with kind of what I was listening to, I suppose, at that time, which would have been kind of stuff like the war on drugs. I, th- I think it's all, it, it comes back to roots. I mean, the first thing I was ever drawn to was the piano, and I wanted to honour that. And I often hear from people, I don't think it's people pleasing, they say, Jack, you should do a piano album. And I, I feel most comfortable in that situation. I, I, I like playing on my own, and I, I miss my musicians like you and Ashling. And I love having Davey there and a rock band just to drive stuff. But there's a certain energy and kind of dance you do with your audience when you're in front of them, particularly in an intimate space and you're playing very, very personal things. I get a release from that. I, I don't know if that's uh, masochistic or, or what, but I didn't set out to make it strip back. I think Davey kind of said first day after hearing the first couple of songs, oh, this doesn't need any, any drums at all. He was actually encouraging me to do, to do only um, piano and vocal which I might do at some point. As, as the songs developed, I thought, oh, this is kind of folky. These, these are ballads. These are mostly ballads. They might need strings. And I got onto Cormac McCarthy, who's an amazing arranger. And I said, I, I'm not looking for very classical arrangements. And he, even though he's classically trained and can write in so many styles, he studied jazz at Berkeley. And his dad is Johnny McCarthy, who, who ironically taught me to whistle when I was four in primary school. But Cormac carries trad and folk with him too so he writes string arrangements or horn arrangements from a very different perspective from other classical arrangers he really gets he really serves the song basically and i think he did that with these he did four songs and he kind of i think he enhanced them you know um it's still it's still sparse as you say and even like track one the parting is is me and piano and vocals and huey is just playing kind of cool atmospherics and the guitar and claire sands is kind of rippling on the fiddle and, and that's all it needed you know it didn't need anything more 
And if if, if I thought it did at any time, you know, I'd say Davy, maybe some cowbell, and he'd, he'd be like, "Fuck off!" You know, no, no, no. Uh, Claire Sands is another one who's had. She's had a good year, you know. Like yeah. the music that she's put out this year has just been uh, so great. Uh, I mean, I presume that that yeah. you're a fan of her first and foremost. That you're kind of like, get, uh, see, yeah. see if well, uh, we, she wants to do something. We kind of we were mates, you know. And it, I suppose again, it's serving the song. When I wrote Sea Swimming, I was like, this is certainly a folk song. The, the chorus, as I said, is 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 um, just something that came to me coming out of the sea. To me, it's very Sean Arita and. The verse melody is very Mark Knopfler. In fact, my cellist dashing says that's the Princess Bride um, theme that Mark Knopfler did the music for, and it is a bit like it. But I, I haven't seen it, so I can't. I can't. I can't be accused of plagiarism yet. But I said this needs, you know, Huey, Huey was putting electric guitar on it, and then like Mark Knopfler, and then he said, Do you know what, I'll go with a Steve Cooney kind of sound. That made it more folky, and then I was like, Do you know what? Claire would be a great addition here, rather than having a quartet. Um, and it needed that those little ornamentations that she does so well. Very root-spaced, and it almost sounds like the ocean, the way she plays, you know. It's very instinctive, and the technique in it is incredible, but I don't think she's aware of it when she's doing it. She's just a completely natural player. You know, she comes from that tradition, and uh, there's even little Arabic little flourishes in it and stuff. She, 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 she kind of goes beyond even Ireland. So I think I think she that that was my choice. I was like, I, this needs care, you know. So I think she enhanced it. And she's made um, a song with Steve Cooney as well. She has exactly. Everything comes full circle. Um, and I'd love to collaborate with her again. She actually put harmonies on this, and it was lovely. So there's another take with her singing. But I was greedy. I was like, no, no, I'm 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 Marita. You know, you can't you can't jump. No, as in there's no other there's no other singers on the album. So I just said that could be a bit weird. But um, it's it's there in the in the vault maybe to be taken out sometime you know very good very good um what what's the time frame uh, of this album both song wise are there songs that are very old or were they all written during lockdown and when was it recorded it was recorded probably it began in 2000 and i think i think just at the end of 2020 or would it, it would have been actually yeah it would have it would have been summer two thousand and twenty, maybe maybe July, August. That's when it started, and um, and we could only we 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 were so lucky to get to Trisco. I did a gig there, and the piano there is is it's one of those instruments that I played that I was like, okay, this is. It was more than the quality of the of the instrument. It was how old it was and what ghosts are in it. It just felt really incredible, and I was chancing my arm and I said to, to Tony and Roberts. Could I get in there? And they gave me the space to record all of the songs, which was just unbelievable to have that instrument on it. And it, you can hear it, you know, the way it was mixed by Burr and mastered by Philip. I think it really resonates. You know, you can hear that it's a church. So that was done there sporadically. The strings were recorded by Christian Best in his studio. Um, and David brought me into his basement in, in his house a lot with a, with Ashton and cello and human guitar and we just kind of did it all like that and song wise then were they all written around lockdown or it would have been um yeah i suppose th- th- there is a song about lockdown a strange bird about a drone kind of recording a town and everything it sees and doesn't see and that was the first song and that would have been written maybe in april just after 
lockdown, really, I suppose. And Opera on the Top Floor was written after that because I'd done an online gig at Mike the Pies and he'd showed me a room at the top of the pub where his uncle ran, Michael. And again, coming back to people like John Prine had died around that time. And I've always thought, Jesus, his character studies, you know, of, of people and weird people and misfits. And I, anyway, Aidan at Mike the Pies told me, my uncle ran this, he never married, he never had kids, and he he kept this room a secret and he brought me up to the attic and there were stacks of vinyl of opera and art that he painted that Michael had painted but he told no one about it and I just thought it was the most amazing story and if even if you're writing about other people I think there's a little bit of yourself in it you know so that was the kind of catalyst song after Strange Bird various things then in my life I, I, I was recently single so some of the songs reflect that but they they are from a place of love you know um and I, I'm very careful about, you know, because you, you want to respect the privacy of the other person. But obviously, my own feelings of loss after that. Yeah, ver ver various songs about different things. So, so twelve songs written in the course of maybe six months, eight months, or something like that. I mean, did did it come very easily? You mentioned that it was kind of organically created. It was a release, yeah. But I had to be quite disciplined about it, and I'm not very disciplined as a person. But I would, I'd, I'd get up, you know, and I'd teach online, which was shocking. It was awful. Oh, really? Some people, some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. I liked elements of it. I liked not having to leave, leave my house. But <laughs> um, just on reflection, like, I mean, I teach in a, a brilliant school in the north side of Cork City. And, and like, I, I don't know, I, maybe third level, but everything in second level. I don't know how, any, how anyone could think otherwise. It's, it's the connection you have in the classroom. And the change of pace and the magic and, ju and just simple things like facial expression, you know, do you understand? I mean, when people aren't using their cameras, teachers and students, I mean, it's just like talking into a void. It was, it was awful. It was so hard for them. And so many of them beyond academia, you know, get so much support in school and that was gone for so long. So there's probably regression. Um, so this year is so much better. Um, I think, I think all of us have a newfound appreciation of, of, of our job and, teaching and learning and the whole experience because um it just made it showed how important technology is but also how limited it is but anyway i i would i would go from that you know and, and out of solace i suppose I, I just sit down at the piano after a run or a swim and and write how long do you give it is it just kind of see what comes yeah and, and you know i think well <laughs> you have an idea of yourself if, if, if you like it and it could be an idea or a lyric or a turn of phrase and you'll come back to it um, and you'll know when something is worth keeping, I think, you know, if you're really honest. So, yeah, there's little tidbits and limbs of songs everywhere. And you might have a little melody or a chord progression or a rhythm. And well, that might work with that line, you know, and uh, eventually it's kind of like being Dr. Frankenstein, you know, or something. You, you put them all together. People write differently, though. For me, it often starts with the words and then the music follows. Is that something that you keep up now or is it kind of done until you have to, um, you know, think about creating something again or kind of work towards a deadline or something like that? I do write. I try to write twice a week. It's very busy at the moment, but um, I do. And I, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm better at like if, I, if I'm out in the pub and I hear a turn of phrase someone says or, or a description or a story. I'll write it down or, you know, sometimes melodies come into my head as well. And, and I, 
I might humming them into my phone. Yesterday it happened in Belfast. People were looking at me a bit strangely, but because it's gone, then it's just in the wind if you don't if you don't capture it, you know. And coming back to the songs, so there's a couple of musicians, late musicians as well, who you're writing about, who I'm presuming are influences on you. You mentioned yes. John Prine earlier. You've also got tracks about Patsy Cline and Amy Winehouse on the album. Is that is that one of the ideas kind of behind it, kind of linking all of the tracks together, or was it just kind of they were just who you were thinking about on a given day? They were, I suppose. The Patsy Patsy, I suppose, was was just my own feelings of loss after a long-term relationship and how difficult it is to to communicate that in words. And, and for me, it was just, listen to Patsy or whoever it might have been, such an evocative voice who can capture so much emotion. So I just said, well, we'll just call it Patsy Klein because that's, that's she's she's singing how I feel, you know. Um, and with Amy, I think it's just about yeah, I I don't know why her 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 story has has touched me like like a lot of people. And I remember Philip King telling me once that he met her in Dublin and she didn't even have a rain jacket, you know. And and I, I just found that so, I just found that so heartbreaking. Um, and it showed how vulnerable she was, obviously, despite her talent. So yeah, it's just about, you know, a little bit about me and my 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 earlier years and being a bit reckless and it's kind of like a. Um, an elegy for that and for her maybe and uh, the dangers out there that I've experienced as well not to the same degree but you know that that, that we're all on a line basically and vulnerability of, 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 of artists I suppose that song is about and uh, who else do I mention I'm trying to, I think I mentioned Aretha too in a, yes <laughs> yes Aretha is in there too yeah she's I love I love her I love her voice and her power and and I like songs that name shake artists. I don't think it's name dropping, but like Patsy Cline came to me because there's a great song by um, I think Hank Williams III about, about a mechanic. The line is, he could tune and make a diesel sing just like Patsy Cline. And I love that. I love, you know, I love listening to Williams talking about um, John Coltrane or, you know, driving down the highway, listening to Neil Young. I, I like it because music is evocative. So why not write about the people that, you know, make you feel something? And so John Prine, you mentioned him earlier a little bit. His death last year hit you hard. It was a, it was a bad year, of course, for the loss of so many yeah. artists. But that was that was the one that kind of hit you particularly hard. Yeah, and again, you feel a bit of a, t- a tit like saying that because I didn't know him personally, obviously. But it's like anything. You 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 like do you, do you have people like that who've died that you know have made some have meant so much to you their music, and and you feel it almost personally, you know? As that, do, do you have artists like that? Um maybe a little less so artists it depends on you know how much i would listen to them yeah. but that but yeah. you know like i they wouldn't hit me particularly hard but then there were there was one or two people who died uh last year one of them was actually a podcaster someone who i would listen okay. to all the time you know like right. two or three times a week and so that death yeah. he, he had cancer and it was just like oh i did i didn't realize that this yeah, would hit me yeah, so much yeah. this guy that like i've never met you know would never yeah. have talked to or anything but it's just when when you're listening to someone every day whether it's a musician or whether it's a podcast or, or reading them or whatever like i just i just think you, you can't be uh too shocked that you can actually yeah. empathize or sympathize with with what's happened of course you can of course you can and uh yeah I feel like saying sorry for your loss, but I know I know what you mean because his his work meant a lot to you, so you felt you had a personal connection to him. And it's weird because like obviously John Pride doesn't know me from Adam, 
But my dad, my dad um, loves John Prine. So there's that too. I think if it's a shared, shared thing with so many love, and he got, you know, when I heard his early songs, I wasn't too impressed with the music because it's so simple. But then I got to appreciate it later. It was his words in particular and the way he, as I said, he has pathos and he has uh, wit in, in, in sometimes one song. And I, I tried to capture that with Strange Bird, you know, that 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 picture of the little boy with his hand on, on the window and his grandfather on the other side. That song, for the people that have heard it, that's meant a lot to them. So I like how that one turned out. And um, I, I can hear his influence. I talk about a woman called Trudy who drank Manhattans in a bar of chrome and now she buys her milk at the break of dawn. Like, how... How, di- how different people's worlds became, you know, first world worlds, but like, you know, parties and cocktail bars and chrome and, you know, socializing and socialites and, you know, you're stuck then with your four walls and you have to kind of think about things and sit with yourself. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I think I think a lot of people had to do a lot of um, just being real, maybe after a long time. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Neve Regan and how about that coffee earlier am I reading too much into it to think the coffee song might be a response oh, yeah. to that shit I didn't think of that I- yeah. <laughs> and I was just thinking um, sh- should you do some sort yeah, of tour of cafes should, I'd, I'd, I'd love to work with her anytime that's just pure unadulterated um, Disney adult Disney sentiment like and I, I love it a better cup of coffee I, I, yeah it's more about just it's something I experienced, you know, I, I remember living in Barrack Street and calling down to Alchemy and there was two girls in particular, like when, when I had to go into a difficult class or something and I'd get, I'd get a latte or an Americano or whatever and, and it did a bit of art at the top of it and it was different every time. It just, it just brightens your day. So it's about, it's about a lad who, in New York who does that and, and it's this platonic, lovely moment every morning that he has with the coffee lady. I sent it to Imelda May and she loved the song, but she had an album coming out with duets with, with, with Noel, Gall- Liam, Noel Gallagher and, and Ronnie Wood, so I couldn't compete. And I sent it to, um, sent it to Roseanne Cash then and, and uh, Susanna Hoffs. So I might send it to Neve. Maybe she'll be my coffee lady. I don't know. Because I, envis- I envisioned it as a duet originally, but it's, not, it's a nice one to do live. It seems to resonate with people, yeah. Oh, so so you have gotten to play some of these uh, songs yeah, live? Yeah, I, I, I sure have. Yeah, I, I, it's the last gig I did. Now was in Dundalk at the Spirit Store, and I did the whole album, and it was lovely. It was lo- lovely to do it just on my own, and and I think I think because the songs are so sparse, there isn't that worry of trying to recreate sonically what what's on the album. Like Ivory Towers was more difficult to, even though I had my band with me. But if I was doing something solo, it doesn't translate as much. Whereas with these songs they're they're written as they are and they're played as as they were recorded and and we were talking earlier about kind of feeling confident like did you feel confident playing them like this is kind of like the natural the natural state of what the artist in uh quotation marks jack o'rourke is now yeah i i I do i do um and as i said there's songs of mine that they're like you know if you let one go it's like an orphan but these current 12 songs um yeah, I think they're very much who I am. There isn't much pretense, I think, or trying this, trying that. It's 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 very much my roots, and I think what I'm about. When you when you cut down to the bones of things, 
and I think that translate li- translates live too, you know, from, from what I've experienced so far. People are enjoying it. Great, great. Um, well, I mean, I think it's a great album. I love uh, the Thank last you. song as well that kind of ties everything together. I kind of wish that that went on for like 15 or 20 oh, minutes, the, just the, tinkling the little at the melodies. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. That's thank you. That's that's um, it's a little dot dot dot. You know, again, it's it's I don't know why, but it's that Randy Newman kind of Tom Waits, you know, melody that I keep being drawn to. But it's a real, it's almost like a Disney, you know, adult melody. I think or something. If if there was such a thing, but Mary Green, my friend from Greenshine, I think she's just one of the most underrated writers as well. I often say to her, if, if you if you dyed your hair purple and called yourself hotel boom or something you know you'd suddenly be an indie star but uh she's just great she's she's so real and she came over just a little bit after lockdown we'd have jams and she, again she's just got this encyclopedic knowledge of music but she told me the story about her parents and she put words to that song or to that melody and so there's a little version of that so we might we might re-release it as a uh, but it's nice that it, it's nice in the album that there's one song that is just open to how you hear it because there's no words it's just how the tune makes you feel so thank you yeah it's nice hearing that there's so many different takes that are there as well that you have probably just stored somewhere on your computer like that one with um claire singing instead and this track as well that's it's really interesting that like we we could have gotten a completely different album but this is what you decided to to stick with i i i think for that reason i'm glad that i didn't bow down to the pressure of oh maybe this needs this to get on the radio because the radio play has been really lovely and there's been lovely write-ups on it um, the only one I'm a little bit worried about is is Bloom Like Orchids because um, it's just something I wrote in haste kind of um, after George Floyd died. And uh, I kind of I did think at the time, Jesus, should I even release this because I'm white? You know, do I have the right to even try to empathize because everything is obviously so loaded and so woke? But I think I think people will hopefully get what, what, what I'm trying to do on that song. But it's nice. It's it's it's. It's my big sing on the album, so. <laughs> um, okay, f- final question. Bring it all back to near the start of the conversation anyway. Where's your favorite place to go sea swimming? I presume that you've been all around Ireland now and like trying all of the water out. Yeah. I'm putting um, you on the spot now, but. I have to say, I love in particularly, I love the Dock Bay and Kinsale. I do. I love, I love um, swimming out to that little island. And I'd like to, yeah, my, my mate Dave comes swimming, swimming at me and it's great. We just, we jump in and we laugh. But I, I, I really like that beach. Okay, Jack, listen, thanks again for the chat and Thank congratulations. You. Thank you so much for your on, time. I really yeah. appreciate it. Great, thanks. And congratulations on the album. Thanks, man, very much. Mother took a time like the perfect crime Pale dose glistening on cool water Caressing little waves and drowning sin Confessing rot as I then diving in I made a beeline for the brine Didn't think of the ice cold Healing all that pain in green and blue Me and Martha, sun coming true Sea swimming, 
Heart willing, I'll dive with you into the dawn Cured and renewed in the tide, reborn Sea swimming It's fitting with sunlight dancing on your skin Naked as a morning with you Seaweed and musk like blind man's buff Feeling all the fears without warning R.E.M. on your speakerphone Cockles and clams make undertones Meeting up our water signs Laughing in the tide with no motive Waves that hurl us into one Something brewing nearly begun Sea swimming Heart willing I'll dive with you into Cured and renewed in the tide Born Sea swimming It's fitting With sunlight dancing on your skin Naked as a morning with you Time like the perfect crime Pale toes listen Uncle Water Caressing little waves Drowning sin Confessing our desire And diving in 